In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy, who's just trying to run a small business, is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. What better way to ring in the holiday season, the uh, advent of Hanukkah, Hanukkah for those mm-hmm. uh, friends mm-hmm. out there in the uh, Israeli community, um, than to uh, play a little bit of uh, Run DMC paired with the lovely Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. Uh, and um, uh, really just a, a, a wonderful song that has sort of captured the essence of the 1980s. If you could capture the essence of the 1980s, and it's not in a can of New Coke, it's in this song. I think you're right. I mean, and who doesn't love Run DMC? I mean, Run DMC was and is iconic in terms of uh, the hip-hop genre. Good stuff, buddy. It's not exactly, you know, my, my you know, sort of core genre, hip-hop, but I loved Run DMC when I was a kid. I had at least a couple of their albums. And Aerosmith, I'm, I must add eight Aerosmith albums. Love Aerosmith. In fact, Krista and I had tickets to go see Aerosmith in Denver in November. And then Steven Tyler blew out his vocal cords, which I understand makes it more difficult to sing. And so they have postponed, not canceled, but postponed that concert. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, the benefit of postponing from Aerosmith's perspective is that they have yet to refund any money. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Well, you know where that's going. That's going to, um, that's all going to, when I was in Hawaii last, which is like 2018, sort of the second Mm. uh, honeymoon for me and my lovely wife, we um, were in Maui and we were being taken on a tour by, uh, okay, you know, Pastor Zach? I do. He, this guy would be taken on this tour of like these, uh, um, these runes, you know, runes. And uh, mm-hmm. this guy looked like a combination of Pastor Zach and his brother-in-law, Roger, who's also a pastor in our church. And so we called him Zarger because he looked just like him. It looked like if those two could come together, and they have come together, but if they could come together and then step two, have a beautiful baby boy, mm-hmm. it would be this Zarger guy. And he took us on the tour of Maui and we're like getting a um, uh, shaved ice or one of those uh, blue plate you know, things in the styrofoam. And mm-hmm. uh, lo and behold, lo and behold, there's Steven Tyler in the middle of the road talking to somebody because he apparently owns like two thirds of the island of Maui. And that's <laughs> probably what he did. He took your ticket money and he uh, shipped it right over there and uh, enjoyed himself like a gentleman. Yeah, like a gentleman. I, I don't blame him for that. I mean, I, I, he didn't force me to give him the money. I bought the tickets. Now, I would like to at some point in time actually see the concert. Um, but I did, you know, voluntarily buy the tickets. And so I can't blame them. And obviously, you know, this is America. He can spend his money the way he wants. And I imagine money needs to be spent on Maui. You and I have not discussed this in a while, but 
I mean, that island, you know, a significant chunk of it burned to the ground. So to the extent that Mr. Tyler owns any of that, he definitely has some, you know, recovery work to do. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I guess it's, you know, it is what it is. It's uh, um, uh, a work in progress. And there are a lot of conspiracy theorists out there that go, and I don't want to get sidetracked in the whole Maui thing, but there are a lot of people that say that Oprah Winfrey, and we talked about this, I'm sure we did. I've used this analogy at least a dozen times where the theory is similar to Gene Hackman, a.k.a. Lex Luger, Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor was a poor horseman, uh, Lex Luthor in the first Superman Christopher Reeve film where his, the whole plot was he was going to you know, detonate those bombs and have all of California fall into the ocean. And then he owned all this land in Nevada and out right. desert, and that was going to become beachfront prime, prime, prime beachfront property. And that's the theory behind these conspiracy theories. Um, it's that uh, Oprah and The Rock and presumably Steven Tyler uh, got these lasers and focused these lasers on certain properties on Maui and decimated them so that they would have better views. Yeah, that makes uh, that makes perfect sense. I'm sure that's exactly what happened. I mean, you oftentimes see folks like The Rock and Oprah walking around with giant laser cannons, you know, just practicing, starting a little fire here, starting a little, because you can't, I mean, you can't count on being able to burn Maui to the ground your first time, right? I mean, very rarely are you either that skilled or that fortunate, and so you have to practice. And so I'm sure there are pictures out there of all of those folks with their laser rifles, you know, helping people start a campfire, you know, maybe burning down some sugar cane, you know, just trying to, you know, sort of camouflaging their practice as a, you know, just a helpful neighborly thing to do. So I'm sure that's true. It certainly wasn't, you know, just incredibly old infrastructure that no one in the Hawaiian government wanted to deal with. It certainly wasn't, you know, just gross mismanagement and stupidity on the part of their emergency management. It wasn't any of that. It would have been, you know, Dwayne Johnson with a laser rifle. Yeah, it's probably. I mean, again, some of these conspiracy theories, believe it or not, aren't actually accurate. But um, uh, I guess we'll, uh, I guess we'll see. It's all going to come out in the wash, like the Kennedy assassination, right? Well, eventually, yeah. I mean, eventually, just like the Kennedy assassination is slowly but surely being, you know, solved and resolved. This will likewise happen with Maui. You and I will be dead, of course, but it'll, you know, it'll, it'll happen. Our kids will see it. Well, you know, what's interesting. You get, you get, you get further into the, the whole conspiracy. And I, again, when you and I started this podcast back in, I believe it was 1980 mm-hmm. um, One of the things we, we talked about was we are not going to fall into that trap of being a traditional, you know, crackpot tinfoil hat conspiracy theory podcast, right? We're going to be like, you know, middle of the road, um, talk about ways to improve the intellectual property standing of your small business uh, mm-hmm. and uh, how to overall, you know, overall improve the, uh, the um, business that you do, whatever it is, whatever, you mind your own, it's your business. You do your, you do your thing, you do your business. So we, um, we, we said that, but then you get into this, you get into the JFK thing and you know, the more layers like the onion, you peel it back, you feel there's another layer that clearly there's no onion left, but uh, it's, it's incredibly, interesting what's uh what's been uh what's been going on with that because you see on the 60th anniversary we talked about this there are more and more theories we talked about the martin theory rod martin brad is the latest martin to uh get into the mix of rob clark's theory that 
everyone who had a hand killing JFK either had a first or last name Martin. Hmm. Well, that's certainly an interesting theory because I don't know what one would have to do with the other. And the reason I went into the Kennedy thing is so it, it all comes full circle because now, and you and I talked briefly about this earlier in the week, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was um, apparently uh, had rode with Jeffrey Epstein on his flight a couple of times. He um, had uh, photos taken with Epstein back in the early 90s at parties. His wife, his first wife, Mary, I think, they apparently were uh, closer than um, one would like to like them to be, I guess. And so, yeah, it's not it's not good. But as we've learned in politics, but it just doesn't matter. Right. I mean, there there may have been a day, probably was a day back in the day when, you know, your sort of behavior and your moral and ethical approach to life had an impact on your ability to run for office. But if there ever was that day, it has uh, it has sadly departed us now. Yeah, the ship is ship is sailed. I'm still going to vote for the guy because if you think about it, Trump has had dealings with him, with Epstein, and Trump is also crazy and Biden's senile, and he's got yeah. that whole China deal he did. So if you have to, and, and and listen, somebody killed Epstein too. I mean, that you were talking about conspiracy theories. Hello, I mean, someone got into that facility, turned off the cameras, killed him, got out, then turned the cameras back. Are you saying that was RFK Jr.? I don't know. I don't know if it was. I mean, I would think if it were RFK, he would have destroyed the photos, right? Yeah. Well, see, that's a good point. Yeah. If you're going to go through the links to killing the guy, then you probably destroy the photos. Yeah. I'm still fascinated. I mean, obviously, Epstein was, you know, a horrible human being and the gal that he ran around with, it was kind of like his fixer that would go and, you know, effectively groom young girls, uh, obviously deserves her opportunity to spend some time in prison. But what I'm still fascinated with is that they convicted her of conspiracy with no co-conspirators, which is, you know, somewhat difficult to do in my understanding, right? That of a conspiracy to, you know, sexually assault these young girls, but they didn't, they didn't accuse her of actually assaulting them. Someone else did the assaulting, but we don't know who they, you know, apparently those people are invisible and unfindable, even though there's pictures of dozens of them, you know, just that they happen to be famous. And so that was okay. You know what that reminds me of? The whole Rico thing, right? I mean, they, mm-hmm. they got they got poor Buddy Cianci, the former mayor of Providence, God rest his soul, for Rico violations. There was no underlying crime. <laughs> yeah. they, they got him for this. You know, again, I mean, he was, listen, I'm not defending him, right? Yeah. But, uh, but you know, he had people in his administration shaking people up, but he, they got him on this Rico stuff without an underlying crime. I've always... That's another conspiracy. Something else. Yeah. We'll, you know, we will we will figure it out. So we've got a bunch of things to go through here today. I mean, this is two guys who have their finger on the pulse of modern society. They're the they're they're both woke and anti woke at the same time. Um, it's really incredible. Well, what I can tell you is uh, you've stumbled onto the uh, Pritam and Chief podcast. With David Pritam and Brad Chief. We're back. We're here. We mean business. We're on the iHeart Radio podcast network of, of, of podcasts and uh we're here each week although some weeks listen some weeks i'll be honest over the holidays uh you'll be happy to know that we'll have some some really fun loving entertainment for you that you can pull the whole family together sort of like a fireside chat with old uh fdr and uh listen to the podcast on uh, new year's eve christmas day we would recommend it uh 
whatever you can get around the hearth, you can uh, you can uh, you can do that. But we're thrilled to be here. You can learn more about us on our website, ipfrequently.com. And uh, you can follow us anywhere there is social media. And we went and we tested this out this week and we went on a bunch of uh, uh, third world uh, pornography sites. And yes, indeed, there is social media tied to IP frequently. We don't know who those people are and they don't have our authorization to run those accounts, but they're running them nonetheless. A couple things to go over. Did you see, are you following this whole um, anti-Semitism thing? I told you I was in New York last week and we um, walked around midtown Manhattan a little bit and mm-hmm. there are a lot of protests going on uh, about this Israel uh, Hamas conflict in the Gaza Strip. Mm-hmm. But also uh, what's interesting to me is you see a ton of anti-Semitic uh, graffiti, vandalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, everywhere you look, there are these little six by six or so uh, stickers that are going up with faces of the uh, Israeli hostages and mm. giving you personal information about them and, and, and get, helping people learn exactly how they don't know this already, how horrible those atrocities were mm. uh, that took place in uh, in in, uh, in Israel. Um, and everywhere you go, there are swastikas written on these people's faces. There are um, things that are torn down. These built these placards are. Or stickers are torn down. I mean, it is, uh, it is, uh, it, it, it's insane. I've never seen this before. Usually, you, know, you hear a story of some ass painting a swastika on a synagogue sign or something, and everyone comes out and says that is horrific. Uh, it shouldn't be condoned. This stuff that's going on in New York is a regular pattern of behavior, and you have these people marching with this river to the sea nonsense. Um, and none of them want to take into account what has happened here. I mean, it's literally the worst atrocity I can remember uh, that I've I mean, I think that I've seen. I mean, it's just absolutely horrific. And uh, uh, I mean, that, that's sort of something. And, and now it seems like you see the younger the polls with younger Americans, twenty five and below, more of them support Hamas than support Israel. And and it's just this cultural divide in our country that leads me back to the ultimate question of what the hell did we do to these kids in this generation of uh, Americans? Well, I mean, buddy, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, right? I mean, what what system was put in place to where you can observe what's going on around you? And, and, and you know, unfortunately, it's not just limited to the Israel-Hamas you know, conflict and longstanding, you know, issues from that part of the world. But it's just all of these, you know, sort of ethical and moral dilemmas that every generation is faced with and has been faced with for the history of mankind, right? I mean, you know, nobody, it's tough to go a day, quite frankly, you know, where you're not faced with some moral or ethical choice, right? You know, am I going to, you know, cheat on this? Am I going to cheat on that? Am I going to cheat on my spouse? Am, you know, am I, am I going to defraud somebody? I mean, whatever the case may be, right? I mean, you have moral and ethical dilemmas that face you every day. Personally, you have them face you, you know, as a family, you face them in your business, you know, you face them um, as a culture, right? All the way up to a nation, you know, what are we going to do about this situation as a nation, where are we going to take our stand? Who are we going to support? 
just literally every day personally and certainly every generation culturally you're faced with moral dilemmas and you know up to this generation i like to think that the us has done a pretty good job you know culturally and nationally of saying okay well you know that like any coin there are two sides to this one let us view it through the moral and ethical lens in which we have been raised and educated, and we're going to come down on this side of this issue. And I think in, in most cases, while the implementation has not always been fantastic, uh, you know, witness, for example, the Vietnam conflict, the, the stance that was being taken was the appropriate one, right? It was the one that said, well, this, this is the side that right appears to be on, and we're going to get on that side, right? And, and thankfully, the United States did that in World War One, and World War Two, and the Korean conflicts, et cetera, et cetera, right? I mean, and and not just militarily, but economically, the Marshall Plan, you know, all of these things that have had meaningful positive impacts on the planet. And now, all of a sudden, to your point, we have a generation that looks at Hamas and looks at the nation of Israel and says, ah, you know, let's go with the, uh, let's go with Hamas. Let's, let's, let's do that. And, and if you were to ask one of them, because I have, if you were to ask someone on that side and say, well, you know, explain that to me, like I, you don't get an explanation. What you get is a tirade, right? Like you, you just get an ad hominem attack against yourself for even asking the question, which is a perfectly reasonable question. Right. Like, OK, there's there are two sides to this conflict. You've picked this one. Explain your rationale. That's not an insult to ask someone to explain their position. You're not even necessarily attacking the position when you ask someone to explain it. You just say, well, OK, I mean, explain that. And you don't get you don't get an explanation. You don't get a rational thought. You don't get, well, here's the facts as I understand them. And based on these facts and my interpretation thereof, I'm taking this position. You just get. How can you possibly ask me that, you know, and then just, you know, ad hominem attacks and screaming and yelling and screeching and arm waving. And then, you know, they walk off. And, and, and unfortunately, buddy, again, to your point, those of us in our generation have allowed for that, right? I mean, we, we are holding the responsibility for that. We have allowed the educational system to devolve into what it is. And, you know, we did not in many cases, pay enough attention to what it means to raise a child and to give them a firm foundation upon which to stand and from which to make decisions, you know, we sort of, uh, you know, again, not, I, I like to think not you, not me, but just, you know, writ large, we sort of abdicated that responsibility to the public school system out of which we removed any concept of God. And when you remove any concept of God, you therefore remove any concept of objective moral authority. And we started telling our kids there really isn't any right and there really isn't any wrong. You sort of have to make those decisions for yourself. And when we just launched them down this slippery slope and, and into the descent in which they continue to be to the point where you can, you can just because someone on your, you know, your Insta face feed said, well, you know, it, it's, it's cool to be behind Hamas, then that's where they find themselves with, with no rational underpinning. It's just, they, they, they just, it's purely emotional. You see the, uh, the, the leadership we have at some of our finest institutions, uh, 
MIT, Penn, and uh, Harvard testify this week? Did you see any of that? I did not. I didn't even know what happened. So they get these three, uh, the three presidents of these schools up there, one of them, um, these three uh, women, and um, in front of the House, uh, uh, one of the House Oversight Committees. Or something. And this congresswoman, really, really clever, basically asked each of them, each of the presidents of MIT, Harvard, and uh, Penn, UPenn, uh, whether or not uh, advocating for um, uh, the eradication of all the Jews or genocide against the Jews violated the, uh, the uh, Harvard, MIT, and Penn respective policies on free speech. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and whether or not that was you know, that was violative of any of these, and all of them gave these hyper technical answers, saying that well, it sort of depends on the context of the situation and this and that, and you know, I mean, it was just the most cringeworthy thing. And they're up there and they're being filmed, and now there's a push, at least a pen, to get this woman, this crazy woman, out of there. Um, but it's uh, it, it just shows you what is. Uh, you know what, what is going what is going on and i wouldn't be surprised if all these three are bounced they, there's a rumor that the uh president of penn is about to be she's about to be fired but the way they look at something like genocide mass genocide uh and comments about it as being you know maybe it's okay maybe it's not depends on whether or not you perpetrate that genocide but then at the same time if you uh, you know don't let the, the the male use the female bathroom or the the cat litter box, it's the end of the world. The end of the world. I mean, right. literally, you will stop. And you've got people, you know, they'll stop classes. They will march out of classes. They will. They, they don't care. They will just because the the bathroom, right? You got to go. You got to go. But you go where you're supposed to go. Uh, but the bathroom situation is so important and so. It, I grew up, you and I grew up in a generation where if anyone even uttered anything like this, anything like this, and it's it's a horrible thing, you know, to even think about. But, you know, you had people in the 80s who were canceled for arguing that the, and they should have been, for arguing that the uh, Holocaust never happened or that it was, uh, you know, grossly overstated. And now, now you've got these people painting swastikas in New York City, you've got these presidents of these major universities saying, eh, you know, it, it doesn't really matter um, uh, the, 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 the words, it's all about the context. Just the craziest, craziest, craziest time we are living in. And I just, there are certain points in time where I just kind of scratch my head and say, I don't freaking understand it. I don't get it. I don't know where we're going. Um, but this is just not... Uh, it's not a good place to be. And they, these are the people that are running the supposedly the best universities in America, although I don't think they are anymore. Well, they're clearly not, right? I mean, they, they have they ceased to be institutions of education and have become, you know, institutions of, of you know, propagandizing, right? I mean, we, we, don't, we don't educate our children anymore. We read them into you know, whatever social, you know, sort of woke approach philosophy that the current educational leadership believes in. And and that's why you have swastikas in New York. I mean, that one is tied to the other. I mean, when you when you have been raised to believe 
a certain set of things, when you have been raised with a certain worldview, then, you know, that just leaks out wherever you go and you can see it. I mean, I read something or I saw the headline this week where some number of interns in the White House, you know, wrote a stern letter scolding the president um, for not backing a ceasefire in in the Israeli Hamas conflict, right? The Israeli Palestinian conflict. And I set aside for a moment whether or not that stern, you know, letter chastising the president was well or ill-founded. I mean, obviously, you know, I think both you and I would agree that it was that it's ill-founded, but just the idea that as a White House intern, right, that 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 somehow you have the moral authority to write a letter to the president of the United States. And again, neither of you or I are Joe Biden fans. So, I mean, it's got nothing to do with it, but just that as an intern, you think it's appropriate for you to write a letter chastising the president of the United States is all you need to know about just the incredibly misguided view that you know, sort of the the twenty something generation has of the way the world works, and of course, you know, the White House, to my knowledge, has not done much about that. I mean, I, you know, if I were the chief of staff of that White House, I mean, I would just walked personally and yanked the badges off of each of these people and shown them the door and said, "I'm not even going to read the letter. I don't even really care about your perspective." The mere fact that you don't understand the difference between an intern and the president is all I need to know. It's just the it's the it is the craziest thing. And and here's the specific thing that we're saying. So all three of these women were asked whether calling for the genocide of Jews was considered hate speech or harassment pursuant to the Harvard, MIT, or Penn Code of Conduct. Like calling for the genocide of Jews was considered hate speech. And they all said, they all said, it depends on the context. And they well, what, have- What the, context can there be? That is the context. That is the, yeah, the words of the context. Exactly. It's yeah. just the craziest, it, it, it's the craziest thing. And it seems like, I mean, well, there is a very um, unique coalition coming around this because you have a lot of conservative Republicans, but you know, John Fetterman, the- uh, the, the congressman from Pennsylvania, remember he had the stroke. I do indeed. I do indeed. By the way, by the way, let me just say this. And you're going to be surprised to hear this. Growing on me. Fetterman is? Fetterman is growing on me. So there are a couple things. One, mm-hmm. he is out front on this and he is every day just attacking people like the squad and people that are uh, in any way trying to equate what, you know, uh, Israel's doing to what Hamas did, right? So mm-hmm. he's... And then on top of that, and this doesn't have anything to do with that, but you know, last week we talked about how they bounced George Santos from the House, the congressman from New York who made up everything, yeah. everything, everything. Yeah. He they should have never been seated in the House, but at least they got rid of him. At least they got rid of him. So they got rid of him. By the way, the Republicans have like a one seat majority now because the former speaker just said he's going to quit. So it's going to be like a one seat majority. So it is going to be <laughs> a friggin' circus next year, election year, one seat majority in the House. Yeah. Just get your popcorn. But mm-hmm. in addition to that, so Santos leaves Congress and he immediately goes to Cameo. You know what Cameo is? The service where you get celebrities to. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Immediately goes to indeed. Cameo where he's like selling his, you know, by the way, and I don't want to spoil your Christmas surprise, but you may very well be getting one of these. Um, but he <laughs> uh, immediately goes over to Cameo and he goes to Cameo 
And, you know, there's the Senator Menendez, Robert Menendez, the Democratic senator from New Jersey. Right. He had all those gold right. bars. Right. From right. The, uh, yep, 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 yep. And Fetterman, to his credit, has been very, very outspoken in his in his opposition to keeping Menendez in the House. And he said he said so. He said, listen, he said on The View or one of these nonsensical shows, he said, you know, Santos just lied about his resume and everything else. But this other guy was like bought and paid for by Egypt. He was a foreign agent in the Senate. He is. Yeah. We, yeah. we should get rid of him first. Really good point. Solid yep. point. And, and so he goes on to Cameo. He gets Santos to do a Cameo for Bob Menendez, where Santos is like telling him not to let him, not to let the bastards get you down. Hang in there. Don't let them force you out like they forced me out. Just this two minute thing. And Santos is doing it seriously. Because he's just got, he doesn't have any idea who ordered this thing. He's just saying, Bob from New Jersey, who's going through a tough time, he's telling him, you know, <laughs> keep your Bob head up. from New Jersey. That's uh, yeah. priceless. It's, it's absolutely, yeah. and, and Santos is there in like a purple shirt, you know, quaffed hair, and he's smiling and he's doing this for like $100. And then Fetterman gets it and he forwards it to Menendez and he sends it out to the media. I mean, it's the, the funniest, uh, the funniest thing. So it may take someone with a stroke to actually succeed in uh in the uh in the congress that's the uh that's the well it does yeah i mean it does sort of uh tell you all you need to know right <laughs> and you know i don't know i don't think really anyone knew maybe outside of pennsylvania or maybe inside of pennsylvania they did i don't think anyone knew who john fetterman was and you know the the idea that you would elect someone who had a stroke and at the time of the election, I mean, it seems like he's recovering from that, which is great. But at the time of the election, I mean, he could barely, you know, communicate clearly or effectively in any way. And the fact that, you know, he was elected over the guy that was running against him was at that point all you needed to know. But it may well turn out, as you pointed out, that, you know, Fetterman is is the one of the more solid people in Congress, which sort of bums you out, not only in the sense of what you just said, that you know, here's a guy who had a stroke that seems to be the most solid guy, but what if he hadn't had a stroke? I know. Like, I mean, what if a guy like Fetterman was running at full capacity and had the wherewithal to kind of stand up for what right looks like and, and you know, the sense of humor that he obviously has to go through some of these things and, and to you know, march himself onto the Senate floor wearing a hoodie and just say, hey, you know, everybody can go F themselves. I mean, imagine if the guy hadn't had a stroke. Maybe things would be different. Well, he—I mean, he—he has he not recovered. I mean, there's no difference between him now and then. I mean, I'm not telling you he's recovered. He's the same guy, mm-hmm. but he's mm-hmm. funny. He's funny, and he's—you know what? He's standing up for principles, and I give him—I give him credit. Yeah. Well, and he deserves it. I mean, anybody who stands on that—you don't even have to agree with the principles of it. Anybody that stands on principles, they can reasonably and rationally elucidate and. And, and make an argument for their position, okay, tip of the cap. I don't necessarily agree with you. I'm, I'm going to argue for my position. But you got these, these people like the squad who, who don't have any reasonable or rational explanation for what they do. They, do, they just screech and they holler and they try – their idea of arguing is just to call you a name, right? Like that, that's their idea of debate, is to you know not defend their position in any way, but just to denigrate you and your position, which <clears throat> you know again is is all you need to know. Well, why are we in this situation with our legislature? Well, that's why, because the, the whole idea of a democratic legislature is you debate issues and then you write and pass legislation 
based on that open debate and and what you have collectively agreed to or at least compromised on is the best path forward. Well, we don't if you can't even begin that process of open debate, you are never going to wind up with legislation that makes any sense at all or is based in any way in reality. So we've got a few minutes left and this is our last official uh, normal. If you could say that, can you even say that normal? episode uh, probably, we have a couple of a couple of special ones coming up for the end of the year for the folks who love this show so much but um uh we, i was thinking maybe do a quick lightning round of things that are going on and get your take on them and give my take on them and then uh, we'll get your take on them. okay sounds good so and i will just, i'll go through them really quickly <clears throat> and then you focus on the ones that you want to zero in on so one big news i know the election's coming up next year uh vladimir putin has said he will run will run for re-election in the Russia elections that are taking place next March. Uh, uh, that's, so that's That's, that's exciting. humorous. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, you've got um, the uh, story of Mo Gaudat. Mo Gaudat, of course, you know him as one of the fathers of AI. He uh, worked at, he used to head up Google's um, uh, AI unit. And uh, he has now come out and he is, have you ever seen the movie iRobot with Will Smith? Yeah, with the, the university. Yeah, it's like the mm. the, the 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 Terminator deal with the, the right. Skype and IPD. Um, he has now come out and he has said that artificial intelligence powered machines could very soon view humans as quote unquote scum and could create quote unquote killing machines similar to the ones depicted in the Will Smith movie to kill all humans. Mm-hmm. So there's that, mm-hmm. uh, which you know. Probably not a good thing. I think we agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it looks maybe it's good for the AI. Yeah. Deal, but, uh, um, and then I finally give you the I know you've run a bunch of ultra marathons um, <laughs> uh, in your day. I give you the case of Josiah Zach Ruski, who's I, I think top one of the top ranked uh, uh, ultra marathoners who did the big uh, uh, ultra marathon last year in uh, Liverpool. This mm-hmm. year, of course, mm-hmm. in Liverpool. And uh, has recently been sanctioned uh, by the uh, UK Athletics Disciplinary Body when it was determined that this was the, the winner, I believe, of the race. 47-year-old long-distance runner, uh, female, of course, was so stripped of her title, uh, her third-place title. She didn't win uh, when it was determined that uh, for several miles of the 50-mile jaunt, she had taken a car. Um, and apparently that's, <laughs> listen, apparently that's out of... Uh, uh, out, of, out of line, she did say that, quote, I accept my uh, uh, actions on that day. I did indeed travel in the car for part of the event. And then Lena completed the run, crossing the finish line. Um, uh, and uh, uh, I did not return the medal immediately, which maybe I should have done. So that's, you know, so you got those three heartwarming stories. Uh, I've got a couple of minutes left. Maybe get your take on each of them. Is there something you want to focus on do you think putin could win an ultra marathon what do you what do you think well i i think putin could absolutely win an ultra marathon in the same way that he will absolutely win this election right i mean just i i sort of admire his ironic sense of humor and saying you know what i i'm going to run again in this election i sure hope i win it right i mean that's it's humorous right he is a dictator and anyone there there simply cannot be anyone inside of russia 
who is saying, oh, good, another free and fair democratic election is coming up. I wonder who I will vote for. Right. And so if Putin decided, particularly inside of Russia, that he was going to compete in an ultra marathon, that I am quite certain he would find his way to the top. I mean, I guess with respect to the AI thing, can you really blame AI? Right. I mean, that may actually be the test of whether or not we have actually, you know, sort of achieved artificial intelligence is when those machines look at humanity and say, well, you people suck. Well, right? listen, I mean, to, listen to this. This is it. That's interesting you say that because he was asked as part of this uh, symposium that he went to, the um, global symposium on AI and Will Smith, uh, how AI could form a low opinion of humanity. Um, uh, and he said, well, it's primarily because AI scours social media. And he said, quote, the question would be, probabilities. How likely is AI to think of us as scum today? And he said, very high. We're fake mm -hmm. on social media. We're rude. We're angry. And we're lying on social media. Mm -hmm. uh, and he basically said, uh, it's not, a, uh, it's not a, uh, a far leap from there to world annihilation at the hands of these robots. Well, and again, I, exactly. I mean, so all that an AI can do to the extent that an AI exists, then all that it does, as any intelligence does, right, is, is it looks at the information available to it and absorbs it and is able to do that at, at a much higher rate and, at, and with a much broader scope than any single human would be able to do and makes value judgments based on it. And I mean, and if you're looking at social media, how you can possibly think that humanity is a good thing, I, I mean, you just can't, right? I mean, it is, there can be no doubt what the outcome would be if you fed a machine all of the crap that is on social media and all the good stuff, right? Because I mean, you know, inarguably, there are, there are good, there is good information, there are good little vignettes, there are hopeful and uplifting vignettes that one occasionally sees on social media or things that are just funny or funny little insights in, into human. So you, you would, you would boil that all together. And I think what the AI would say is, you know, there are flashes of positivity in this larger, you know, boiling mass that is humanity, but by and large, it does not outweigh and does not justify the rest of all of this information that I am viewing. And therefore, I'm going to label humanity as scum. I mean, we, we will have no excuse if an AI does that, right? I mean, I don't think there's anyone who can stick up their hand and say, well, that would just be the wrong impression. You, you may feel it as though the wrong impression. You may want it to be the wrong impression of humanity. But if you're being honest and you're looking at, at what is out on social media, and I love the fact that the guy said, you know, not only is there all this hate and vitriol, but people are just lying. I mean, oh, people yeah. are just being openly dishonest and misleading and intentionally so on social media. And, and that is the sign of a completely fractured culture, right? When truth has no meaning and no one is going to look askance at a liar. I mean, someone who lies, I, I mean, you, you can't trust them with respect to anything. Right. I mean, if, if you'll if, if I discover someone in a lie about this or that, 
then I have to look at them askance with respect to everything they're saying and doing. Right. And, and you know, until such time as, as, as they, you know, they say, Oh, well, geez, you know, I, I either didn't know it was a lie. I'm sorry. I apologize is what the truth is. Or they said, Hey, I'm sorry. I lied. I shouldn't have done it. You know, mea culpa. I'm moving in a different direction, whatever the case may be until the, until there's some, explanation and retreat from the position of I will make my own truth. You can't trust that person. And that's what the whole construct of social media is. Then. It's all a lie. Yeah. And all, literally all of it. But, and then you get the, the, the runner. And I, I think the, the one that comes out the best here is the, the ultra marathoner. And listen, it's only like two and a half, three miles that she, he took the car. Yeah. And well, was, anybody, see, I mean, if you've, if you can't, even be honest with yourself about your gender, you're certainly not going to feel a compulsion to f- compete fairly, right? I mean, that's, what. why would you? I mean, first of all, I completely agree that if you're 50 miles away from where you want to be, get in a car, Yeah. right? At a minimum, uh, grab a bicycle, maybe a horse, okay? But, but don't power yourself to someplace that's 50 miles away. In the, in the modern world, that is a silly thing to do. So that part I sort of get. If you told me, hey, Brad, you have to be this to this point 50 miles away, would you like to run there? I would simply say, no, I, I would not, and I am not. Okay, so I, I get that part, but if you are someone who is, if you wanna use a, uh, a charitable term, is as confused as someone who is not certain of their own gender, then you cannot expect them to be solid on the rules of fair competition. Right? I mean, I just don't think those two things go together. Yeah, but I mean, I don't want to confuse you. I, I think uh, I was the one that was confused. I don't think there was a gender play here. Oh, well, then, okay. I, I was, I was it looked like all a, of that, and I simply revert back to the point that if you're 50 miles away from where you want to be, get in the car. Get in the car. Okay. Yeah. Well, there it is. Listen, we covered a lot here today. There's a lot we've learned. Right. We, we have learned a lot, as we always ask, what we try to do here on this Verified program is, is we try to educate. We try to you know expand horizons. I think we've done it. We're going to do it for the next two weeks with some, you know, some holiday episodes, which I'm very much looking forward to. And since we are a week away from those episodes and we want to get there, my advice to you is get in the car and we'll see you next week on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently, once again clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.